0: on today's episode of Emerging Daily.
1: I want to talk this morning to you about being in love with God. He wants us to be so drawn to Him that we're literally consumed by Him. Consumed with the presence of God. Consumed with His love. Consumed with all that He is. I don't know about you this morning, but I'm not there yet. I am not totally consumed with the love of God. People say, well, I saw this happen, but I didn't want to get involved. But it's gotten to where it's down in the small towns, the small community. It's gotten to where it's like that in our own home. We don't want to get involved. We don't want to get dirty. We don't want to get our hands dirty. We don't want to get our clothes dirty. We don't want to get our lives a little messed up for the sake of someone else's problem. It's not my problem. Why should I worry about it? Are we going to be like God? Are we going to really follow after the heart of God? You know, I'm not here to get your approval. Today. And I'm not not ever come back. That's fine. But I want you to know that you've heard that God loves everybody, not just those that are sitting on the pew. And we need to have that kind of heart. And until we do, we're, we can sing all day long, I'll fly away, oh glory. We ain't going anywhere until we get the heart of God. What makes this church different? Have you wondered what makes this church special? Or is it special at all? Well, it's special because you're here. And it does make it special because there's no one else on this earth, and there never will be or never has been, anybody like you. And there's nobody that can show forth the love of God exactly like you can. Yes, this church is special, but it can only be special to the world and to the people around here as you show forth that love. Yeah, he could appear to the person living in this trailer right over here, just like he appeared to Paul. But more than likely, he won't. God could appear to the person living in this house over here, but he'd rather you do it. Why are you here? Why is this church? To show forth the love of God.
2: This is Emerging Daily with Charlton Scott Fisher. Scott is the founder and leader of Emerge Nashville, a spiritual refuge that's an evolving ministry expressing radical grace every day. Emerge is supported 100% by listeners like you. To make your tax-deductible gift and to learn more about Emerge, visit EmergeNashville.org or email EmergeNashville at gmail.com. We hope this program will help you to emerge as pure gold and to steer you to put love into action.
0: If you like good old country cooking, then you're going to love Bale's Little Country Kitchen in Lebanon, right in the heart of Middle Tennessee. Bale's Little Country Kitchen is Lebanon's new favorite place for great country cooking. They have a terrific breakfast and lunch menu, as well as awesome specials throughout the week, like the Friday night all you care to eat, catfish dinner and fixins, and their Saturday morning breakfast bar. And now, they've teamed up with We Deliver to bring their super southern food right to your home or office. You can find out more by going to their website, BellsLebanon.com, where you can see their menu and specials and even order delivery. That's BellsLebanon.com. You're going to love Bell's Little Country Kitchen, Lebanon's new favorite place for great country cooking. Thanks for joining us today on Emerging Daily. I'm Scott Fisher, and today we're talking about being consumed with the love of God. This is a message that I gave to a church back in the early 2000s. The church was in Lebanon, Tennessee. It was Big Springs Baptist Church. I had spoken there several times um, to do uh, revivals and uh, to uh, fill in for the pastor when he had to be away. But to, to be quite honest, I don't believe I was ever asked back. After I gave this message, and after you listen, you'll probably find out why. But, um, you know, as I said yesterday, there's there was uh, some things that the Lord was beginning to show me, I was beginning to see, um, that really sort of uh, cut against the grain of the Southern Baptist denomination, as well as several denominations and, and um, traditional views of God and of spirit and ways of interpreting the Bible. And and I had to really watch what I said, and sometimes I just couldn't hold back. And you'll find that uh, in today's episode. But we're talking about being consumed with the love of God. And I hope this will bless you today. And I'll be back to talk with you again in a few minutes. This is Emerging Daily. Matthew
1: 5. And I want us to go before the Lord in prayer once again. Matthew chapter 5. Let's pray. Father God, this morning just show us your heart. Lord, draw us nearer to you, Father. Make us who you would have us to be. God, let your words come forth this morning and let it... Not only just enter our minds, Father God, but let us let it enter into our lives that we can walk it out, that we can make your word flesh in this world, Father. We thank you for your spirit that dwells within us that gives us your life, Father. We pray that we'll just surrender to He that is within us this morning and throughout the rest of our life. Move on your words this morning and let them be anointed by your Spirit. In Jesus' name, Amen. Matthew chapter five. And I want you to look at verse 13. Matthew chapter 5, verse 13. It says, You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt have lost his savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and be trodden under the foot of men. Now listen to verse 14. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill, cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a, lamp, on a candlestick or a lampstand. And it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. I want to talk this morning to you about being in love with God being in love with God. How many of you just really are passionate about the, the one who died for you, gave his life for you? Have you ever wondered why God put you here? Why you were born? Why God even has a planet called Earth that has creatures called humans walking around? Have you ever just wondered that? You know, as children, we wonder things like that, and a lot of times adults will say, well, they give us some lame excuse, and, or just say, well, that's just something that we must never know till we die. I don't believe that. I think that we can know things. I think that God desires to share His thoughts, His intentions with us. And those things are found in His Word if you'll dig them out. And a lot of times it's not just going to say in one little sentence, humans were created for this purpose. But if you'll search out the Scripture by rightly dividing the Word, you will see that God put you here so that you could love Him and He could love you. That's the only reason. Because there's no other creature in heaven or in earth that can love other than a human. Why? Because we were made in the image of God. And no other creature was. Angels do not have the capacity to love. You cannot find anywhere in the Scripture, or if you do, let me know because I've not found it and I've not found anyone else that has, that have the capacity to love. The The only creature that can are people, humans, you, and me. We have the capacity to love. Why? We were made in the image of God. And my Bible tells me that God is love. God is love. So he tells us that we're the salt of the earth. And he tells us we're the light of the world. Well, what is the salt that salts us? You know, he says, if the salt is lost, it's savor. And then in another place it says, be salted with salt. And, you know, what is that that makes the salt savory? What is it that gives it its flavor? It's hard to know what gives salt flavor, isn't it? What gives light, light? What makes light, light? Have you ever wondered what makes, not a light bulb? They didn't have light bulbs back then, they had fire. When you spoke of light, the only thing they knew was fire. So he was saying, you're the fire of the earth. You are the fire of the earth. And then in Hebrews, we're told that our God is a consuming fire. A consuming fire. Have you ever watched a moth? When you've been having a weenie roast or maybe just a campfire going, and a moth, they'll be drawn to that fire. And then those flames will lick it and sometimes they'll even burn up because they're drawn to that fire. You know, nowadays we have these little blue lights we sit out on our porch and all the moths and flies and everything are drawn to that and it burns them up, you know. Well, that's how God wants us to be. He wants us to be so drawn to Him that we're literally consumed by Him consumed with the presence of God, consumed with His love, consumed with all that He is. I don't know about you this morning, but I'm not there yet. I am not totally consumed with the love of God. But He wants us there. He wants us to be consumed with it to where His love is just pouring out through us, even more than sweat or tears or anything else ever has. His love to so pour forth out of us that when people are around us, they don't even have to ask if we're a Christian. It's just there. They know. He says, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. And in another place, he says, I am the light of the world over in John. He says, I am the light of the world. And now he's saying, you are. But let your light shine. How do you let your light shine? It's easy to go around telling people, you know, I'm a Christian, and I go to so-and-so church. I'd like for you to come sometime. Check it out. Maybe you might would like to join. Maybe you would like to be a part of our club. We don't say that, but that's how we feel sometimes. Come be part of our club or our fraternity. The church is not a club. The church is not a fraternity, but we treat it that way. God didn't ask us to invite people to our church. He didn't ask people to invite them to our club or our fraternity. He asked us to go and be light and to show His life to the world. And He says in Acts that He added to the church daily. Why? Because they were going out and living the life of Christ. They were going out. Being Christian, letting their light shine, salting this earth, preserving it, giving it a little flavor. Have you ever had any meat that's not flavored? You, know, we, you don't see it as much nowadays, but you see they'd kill a hog and they'd hang it up, parts of it in, in the smokehouse or whatever, and they'd put that salt to it. That salt, that preserved it, but it gave it flavor. That's what we are. We're the flavor. We're what makes it taste good. I mean, I'm, I don't know about you, but country ham is. Meat me, one of the best things you can have. And, you know, some people can't eat it. They say because of their diet. I don't, you know, I don't know about all this medical stuff going on today. Back 50 years ago, people lived to be 70, 80 years old or even older, and they would eat country ham and bacon and fried eggs and everything every day. And nowadays we get worried about it, and then we end up, you know, so focused on that that we can't even live. But that salt, it kept that ham. It kept that meat. It kept the... Germs and things from getting in there. And, and it kept other creatures many times from even getting in there and, and doing things to it. That's what God wants us to be, is that salt, to be that light. Look, if you will, at 1 John. 1 John, in the back of your Bible. 1 John, it's not a very big book. Easy to pass over, but it's full of truth. 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3. Look at verse 16. Hereby perceive we the love of God. In other words, this is how we can know, this is how we can understand, this is how we can tell that God loved us. How? Because He laid down His life for us. Because He laid down His life for us. You know, we like to sing songs about how, what Jesus did for me, what He's done for me, what He's done for me. Jesus did this for me. Jesus did that for me. He laid his life down for me. Praise God. But listen to the other part of the verse here. We ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. We ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Verse 17, But whoso hath this world's good, and seeth his brother have need, and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue but in deed and in truth. In deed and in truth. The big difference, you can tell somebody all day long that you love them, but are you willing to get down and get dirty with them when they have a need, when they have a problem? Are you willing to, to get your life a little bit dirty? You know the story of the Good Samaritan. Most of you, I'm sure you're familiar with it. But the man got there, he got down in the ditch with the man. He didn't worry about whether his clothes were going to get dirty. He didn't worry about whether the man's blood might get on him a little bit, you know. And in these days, especially with AIDS and the different things that are out there, it's so easy to use things for an excuse not to get involved in someone's life. Not to get involved. And you know, we look at New York City and we look at Los Angeles and we see even Nashville. and We can look at those cities and and we've heard... People say, well, I saw this happen, but I didn't want to get involved. But it's gotten to where it's down in the small towns, the small communities. It's gotten to where it's like that in our own home. We don't want to get involved. We don't want to get dirty. We don't want to get our hands dirty. We don't want to get our clothes dirty. We don't want to get our lives a little messed up for the sake of someone else's problem. It's not my problem. Why should I worry about it? Well, we should, because Jesus did. He worried about it enough that He came down here and died. It wasn't his problem. He was doing fine without getting on that cross. He was doing fine without coming down here and putting on skin and living and having to suffer and bleed and die for you. He was doing fine. He didn't have to, but he did. So let's not love in word, but in deed and in truth. You can't love in word, in truth, without loving in deed. But you can Now this is where a lot of people in the church have missed it. They've loved indeed, without loving in truth. It's called legalism. It's called works of the flesh. You'll do something that you think should be done just because it's the thing to do when there's really no love in your heart for that person. You're not doing it out of love. You're doing it out of compulsion or because someone makes you feel guilty if you don't. That's not love. That's how the scribes and the Pharisees worship God, you know. They did it because they thought they should, not because they wanted to, not because it was in their heart to do it. Jesus said, you worship me with your mouth, but your hearts are far from me. You're whited tombs. Inside you're full of dead men's bones. So it's easy to move from one ditch over to the other to say all the time, I love you, I love you, I love you, and then when problems come, we're not there to help. Or to get over here and feel obligated to always do something, even when there's no love there for the person, but to love indeed and in truth. That's the middle ground. That's where Jesus is. That's where He wants us to be. He wants us to not only do what He tells us in our heart to do, and listen, it needs to be something from our heart. It don't need to be something that just someone else tells us to do. We need to hear the voice of God for ourselves. And that's something that we don't hear enough of these days. You need to learn to be so intimate with your Father that you can hear His voice within your own heart. But when He tells you to do something, you don't have to wonder if it's just a a need to or if it's a guilty thing going on there, but it's His very Spirit talking to you, saying, I want you to do this, and I want you to do it because you love me and because you love this person. But I don't know... If God could even use us in that way in truth, because many times we don't really have a love. We don't really have a love for the person because we're really not in love with God. You know, God goes back to are we really in love with God? Are we really consumed with His love? The only reason that I have for loving Him, the only even right that I have to love Him, is because He first loved me. I, don't have to, I can't love Him because it's just in me to love God. We don't have that but we love Him because He first loved us. But we have to allow that love to grow. We have to allow that love to consume us. It is in there. If you've been born again, there's something in you this morning that's crying out to be filled, and many times you don't know what that is. And you think it's your job, and you think you need to get more involved in your job. You think it's money. You need a little bit more of it. You think maybe it's a car, that you need a little better car, or a bigger house, or whatever it is. You need to get consumed with the love of God. That's what you need. That's what I need. That's what everybody, that's what the world is crying out for. You don't have to turn there, but in Acts chapter 13, verse 22, it talks about, it says that David was a man after God's own heart. That word after, many times people have said, well, you know, God just had a special love for David. And I don't believe that's what it means. And I have looked at it in the past as even being, David was after God's heart, just as a deer pants for the water. Have you ever heard that? As a deer panteth after the water. So my heart longs after thee. But the word is actually, and I won't bore you with a lot of Greek, but the word is kata, k-a-t-a, And it means according to or as. So what God is saying when He's saying that David is a man after my heart, He's saying that David has a heart just like mine. And that's why God desired to make him king. He wanted a man in there who was like him. When you were born again, what happened? God placed his heart within you. You have a heart just like his. You have a heart just like God. But we have it so buried and so put away underneath all this other stuff, underneath all these other emotions, underneath all these other thoughts and all these other desires for worldly things. We don't want to be called a fanatic. We don't want people to think we're strange. You know, i got a friend who, he's one of the few people that I have really just seen the love of God to the point of consuming their life. You know, he's still got, I'm not saying he's arrived or anything like that, but he's, he's, he's real close. <laughs> I mean, he's, he's close to, to being a man after God's heart. And he, he loves to hug people. You know, because he, he's so full of love, and he just loves to, to hug people and to share that love with them. And some people, he'll hug them, and they'll just break down and cry because they're they're not used to being touched like that. Other people try to accuse him of being gay, you know, and because we're not used to being loved, but that's how we need to be. Jesus said, you don't have to turn here, but John chapter 15, verse 12. Let's go ahead and look at that. John, the Gospel of John, not first not John, but the Gospel of John, back in the front of the New Testament. Chapter 15, verse 12. Says this is my commandment that you love one another. But he didn't stop there. He gave us an example. Jesus didn't just come on this earth to die for you, he came to give you an example of how to die. And he said, to love one another as I have loved you. And then he says, greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. I want to take you, we have a little bit more time here, I want to take you to the Old Testament and I want to show you part of the reason Sodom was destroyed because it's not what you think. It's not what you think. If you will, turn over to the book of Ezekiel, the book of Ezekiel, chapter 16. You may think, well, where is he going? Because we were talking about love, and all of a sudden he gets to talking about Sodom. You'll see. Ezekiel chapter 16. And I want to start reading with verse 44. Ezekiel chapter 16. I want to start reading with verse 44. Now, to lay this in context, he's prophesying to Jerusalem. Okay? Okay. And it, 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 if you glance at the first two verses, he says, And again the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, cause Jerusalem to know what? Her abomination. Her abomination. So look at verse 44. Ezekiel 16:44. 44. Behold, everyone that uses Proverbs shall use this proverb against thee, talking about Jerusalem, saying, As is the mother, so is her daughter. Thou art thy mother's daughter, that loatheth her husband and her children. And thou art the sister of thy sisters, which loathed their husbands and their children. Your mother was a Hittite, and your father an Amorite. Now an elder sister is Samaria, and she and her daughters that dwell at thy left hand. And thy younger sister that dwelleth at thy right hand is Sodom and her daughters. Now listen to verse 47. Yet hast thou not walked after their ways, nor done after their abominations. Oh, and they're breathing a sigh release. Now, we had not done that. Oh, but listen. But, as if that were a very little thing, thou wast corrupted more than they in all thy ways. Now, he's talking to Jerusalem, the city of God. And he's saying, you're worse than Sodom. Worse. You hadn't just done what they did.
2: You are worse.
0: We hope you're enjoying today's episode of Emerging Daily. Today's topic was and is being consumed with the love of God. We wanted to pause for just a minute and make sure to let you know that you can check out our website to find out more about the podcast and about the ministry. It is EmergeNashville.org or you can also go to EmergingDaily.com. Either one will get you there. And once you're there, you can find out about our mission, uh, the vision, uh, our values, um, more or less the statement of faith, and some of the impact areas that we're hoping to make a difference in, um, in Lebanon, in Nashville, Middle Tennessee, and around the world. So be sure and and go to our website, check that out. And also pray about getting involved. We're getting ready to uh, try to start having some worship and teaching times we really want to begin to do these weekly, and we're still trying to, to find a worship leader that will help us with this. Um, it, starting out, it'll be a volunteer position, but we hope that before long, very soon, it'll be a full-time position, and um, also, we're still um, seeking out venues where we can hold these weekly doesn't necessarily have to be the same one every week we want these places to be convenient we could have one in lebanon one in nashville that'd be great Uh, we want it to be where everybody can feel comfortable we don't want it to be a church type setting we want it to be somewhere where you feel comfortable uh, to be yourself and just come in there and experience god so pray about that and um, again please go to our website and also think about uh, supporting this podcast. We would really appreciate it. We'll get back to our message here in just a second. We thank you. God bless you.
1: Now, listen to verse 47. Yet hast thou not walked after their ways, nor done after their abominations. Oh, and they're breathing a sigh of release. Now, we hadn't done that. Oh, but listen. But, as if that were a very little thing, thou wast corrupted more than they in all thy ways. Now he's talking to Jerusalem. The city of God. And he's saying, you're worse than Sodom. Worse. You hadn't just done what they did. You are worse. As I live, saith the Lord God, Sodom, thy sister, hath not done she nor her daughters, as thou hast done, thou and thy daughters. Now listen to verse 49. Behold, this was the iniquity of thy sister Sodom. And you might want to list these, write these down. Underline. Pride. Fullness of bread. Abundance of idleness was in her and her daughters. Neither did she strengthen the hand of the poor and the needy. And they were haughty and committed abomination before me. Therefore, I took them away as I saw good. Now, it's easy for us to to look out in the world and to see a group of people and to point our finger at them and say, they're going to hell. Easy to do. And Jerusalem was like that. Even in Jesus' day, scribes, Pharisees, Sadducees, they were the same way. It was easy for them to go around telling everybody else, look, you should be like me. You should be a Christian. You should come to church. It's easy to do that. It's easy for us to look out in the world and see the drug dealers and point our finger at them and hold our nose up high and say, they're going to hell. They need to come to church. Why should they come to church? What are we going to do except criticize them and put them down and tell them how bad and how sorry they are? Why should they even bother? It's easy for us to look at the harlots and the prostitutes and say, they're going to hell. And Jesus took... a prostitute and said, I do not condemn you. And we do it all the time. The church, not necessarily this church, but the body of Christ does it. We take a homosexual, and we sure don't want any of them in our church, but Jesus, what would he have done? i goes back. That's That's a little saying that's almost became a cliche now, but what would Jesus do? What would he do? Well, let's not even go to that extreme. What about the the teenager that's got a ring in their nose and three or four down their eyebrow here, five or six in their ear, their tongue pierced, their lip pierced, maybe some on their body elsewhere. Do we want them in our church? You might not, but I guarantee you God does. Are we going to be like God? Are we going to really follow after the heart of God? You know, I'm not here to get your approval this morning. And I might not ever come back. That's fine. But I want you to know that you've heard that God loves everybody, not just those that are sitting on the pew. And we need to have that kind of heart. And until we do, we can sing all day long, I'll fly away, oh glory. We ain't going anywhere until we get the heart of God. We can sing all day that song. And we can say, God, do something. God's not going to do something until we do. Because we are the body of Christ, where His hands, where His feet, where His arms that reach out and hug somebody, where His mouth that tells them that we love Him, and then where the feet and the knees that get down and get dirty with them and help them. Praise You. I want you to look at real quick at Proverbs chapter six. Proverbs chapter six. Proverbs six verse sixteen. These six things doth the Lord hate, and you won't find an earring, or a tongue piercing, or pink hair, or any of those things listed right here. These six things, J7, are an abomination unto him. And look at the first one, because we've all been guilty of this at one time or another. I, almost, I could almost guarantee you every one of us has done this at least once in our life. A proud look. Looking down at somebody else that maybe doesn't have what we have, or they're not as good as we are, we think. A lying tongue. Hands that shed innocent blood. And Jesus said, if you hate someone, you've done just as worse, just as bad as killing them. A heart that devises wicked imaginations. Feet that be swift and running to mischief. A false witness that speaks lies. And he that sows discord among the brethren. Those are called abominations. Abominations. That means that's something that just makes God sick. It just makes Him sick. And we're too busy judging people because of outward things, because of lifestyle choices and things like that. Let's begin to show them the love of God, regardless of who they are, what they look like, what they do. They might be a drunkard. They might be a dope addict. They might be a dope pusher. They might be this. They might be that. It doesn't matter what they are. We're not told to condemn them. We're told to love them not to point our finger at them. There's another place that he's telling Israel, until you put away the pointing of the finger, I'm not going to bless you. There's no prerequisite to receiving the love of God other than the fact you have to exist. That's all. The only prerequisite. The only thing, in other words, the only thing that qualifies you, that makes you available to receive the love of God you have to exist. That's all. No, you do not have to clean up your life before you, have to, before you come to God. You do not. God's the one that cleans your life up. Daily. It's a process. You don't have to get all cleaned up and, and before you come to God. The world, wasn't in, the world was probably in its worst shape. And we think it's bad now, but the world was probably in, probably, probably in one of its worst states when Jesus was here. Looking back at history and and everything, it's probably in one of its worst states because the Roman government was at a state in in a time in which it was very perverse. There were all kinds of things going on. It was very perverse, very wicked, twisted. And Jesus came in the midst of all that. And not only did he do that, the Bible tells me that he ate and he drank with what the church people called sinners. What the scribes and Pharisees pointed their finger at Him and said, look, you're no better than they are if you're going to go and be fellowshipping with them. And I guarantee you, Jesus, when He was there, He wasn't telling them how bad and how sorry they were. Because are you going to want somebody eating with you and fellowshipping with you that's going to tell you how low down and bad you are? No. And the Bible says that He was a friend of sinners. But they saw something different. They saw something different about Him. He didn't condemn them. He loved them. And they saw something different that drew them to God and that caused them to want to change. Not because somebody told them they had to. Not because somebody told them that they were bad and and low down and no good. But because Jesus loved them, He exalted, He he edified them. He lifted them up out of the miry clay. He held them up high. He said, I love you so much, I'm willing to die for you. And then He didn't just say it, He did it. What makes this church different? What makes... Big Springs Baptist Church different. The fact that it's got Baptist in it, the fact that it's on Big Springs Road, what makes it different? Have you wondered what makes this church special? Or is it special at all? Well, it's special because you're here. And that does make it special because there's no one else on this earth and there never will be or never has been anybody like you. And there's nobody that can show forth the love of God exactly like you can. You have a unique personality. You have unique gifts, unique abilities. And a combination of all those things in a unique way that you can show forth the love of God in such a way that nobody else ever could or ever can. Not even Jesus, because He had a certain personality, certain giftings in His his human fleshly body and life that He couldn't even express God the way you can. Yes, this church is special, but it can only be special to the world and to the people around here as you show forth that love. Because you are the body of Christ. You are the one he inhabits, And God could do whatever he wanted to do, but he decided to place a church here on Big Springs Road to reach this community for God, for him, for his kingdom. Yet he could appear to the person living in this trailer right over here just like he appeared to Paul. But more than likely, he won't. Paul wouldn't have been in such a place in his life to have received that vision if it hadn't been for Stephen and for some of the others there. that that were sharing the gospel at the time because he was standing there when Stephen was stoned. God could appear to the person who lives in this house over here, but he'd rather use you. Why are you here? Why is this church here? To show forth the love of God. Now i got a statement written down here that came to me last night. And you may take offense to it. Now I don't mean for you to. But just listen to it. As Baptists, we get hung up on the Great Commission. We get so hung up on the Great Commission that we miss out on the Great Commandment. Anybody know what the Great Commandment was? To love God with all your heart, soul, strength, mind. You know, every, in other words, everything that you are, to love God. And then the, the second one is likened to it, to love your neighbor as yourself. We get so hung up on the Great Commission that we miss the Great Commandment. Jesus told the scribes and Pharisees, The woe unto you. Because you go here and you go there trying to make a proselyte, and then you end up making him more of a child of hell than you are. You know, God don't want a bunch of Baptists running around. He don't want a bunch of Church of Christ running around. He don't want a bunch of Methodists running around. He wants a bunch of people that are showing forth his love. He wants Christ on this earth living through a people. We don't need to make them more of a child of hell than we ourselves even are. We don't want them to have our hang-ups. We don't want them to be like us. We want them to be like Him, and that's what we should want to be, is like Him. Let's not get so hung up on the Great Commission that we miss love. The scribes and Pharisees, you know, they had it down. But Jesus said, you've missed the weightier things of grace, and of love, and of worship, and those things. You've missed the, the, the more important things. You can sing hymns all day, and that's not worship, but you can worship using him. Are you hearing me? You can sit and pray all day and God won't hear you until your heart is praying, until it's really, it's real, until it's coming from your heart. You can speak words all day long and know they won't go past the ceiling, but they don't have to because He's in you. But He still won't hear it until it's coming from your innermost being, until it's something real, until it has life in it, until it has your heart cry. And God don't want you to just pray to Him to get something. He wants you to have intimate times with Him. Just Him. Just you and Him talking. God's concerned about your life. If He's numbered your hair, do you not think that He worries, not worries, He's concerned about your work, your job, your relationship with your husband, your relationship with your wife, your relationship with your children, or if you're a child, your relationship with your parents, your, your friends at school. He is concerned. About you. I want to close with this verse. John chapter 12. John chapter 12. Jesus has just been and uh, He's already raised Lazarus from the dead and He's riding into Jerusalem. And I want you to look at verse 20. Says, there were certain Greeks among them that came to worship at the feast. And the same came to Philip which was of the Bethsaida of Galilee, and desired him, saying, Sir, we would see Jesus. We would see Jesus. And Philip comes and tells Andrew, and then Andrew and Philip tell Jesus. Now what is Jesus? How does he reply? How does he respond to that? It says, And Jesus answered them, saying, The hour has come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat, fall into the ground and die. It abides alone, but if it die, it brings forth much fruit. He that loves his life shall lose it. He that hates his life in this world shall keep it unto the life eternal. If any man serve me, let him follow me. And where I am, not where I'm going, but where I am. He's talking about in his walk with God. Where I am, there also will my servant be. If any man serve me, him will my father honor now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this cause came I unto this hour. Father, glorify thy name. Now, he knows he's getting ready to go to the cross. And he says, now is my, tr- my soul troubled. Father, you know, should I ask God to save me from this? He says, no, this is why I was put here. This is why I'm here. But I want to direct you again to verse 22. Me, verse twenty one is, sir, we would see Jesus. And I've already gone over my time. I won't get to show you the good Samaritan. But Jesus was asked, who is my neighbor? Which one was the neighbor? Was it the priest who walked by? Or was it the Levite who walked on by? Or was it the man who got down and got dirty with the man? Cleaned him up fed him, helped him, put him in a motel and then And not only that, gave him enough to uh, leave him there for another couple days and he said, if that's not even enough, I'll pay whatever's left when I come back. Are we willing to get down and get dirty? Are we willing to get our hands a little dirty? Are we willing to get our pants a little dirty? Are we willing to get our lives a little dirty? You know, sometimes we think we're so clean and so pious and so good and so cute in our lives that we don't want to get dirty with people, with their problems. I do, if y'all don't mind, I would like to have a hymn of invitation if for no other reason for y'all to just sit there and think about what we've talked about this morning. You don't have to come up here. But I want us all to just think about what God wants us to be, how He wants us to be, what He wants us to do. The Bible says that God is love. The word Christian does not only mean a follower of Christ, it means one who's Christ-like little Christ. Are you a Christian? Do you know the Lord? Have you accepted Him as your Savior? Because He did die on that cross for you. He gave His life. He shed His blood. And when He hung there, I want to share something else with you that to me, it, it, it just blew my mind when I first saw it. But the pictures with Him with a little cloth on, He was, he was naked when He hung there. And that breaks my heart. Because there's nothing more humiliating than to be naked, hanging in front of people, bleeding, dying. In front of them, naked. Think on that for a second. And we're afraid to even help somebody that needs a little help. And he hung there naked, dying, bleeding, in agony for you and for me. Don't just love in word but love him. Deed. Love and truth. Let what you do come forth from within you. By the Spirit of God. If y'all wouldn't mind coming. But let that love consume. As you leave here today, I want you to leave here changed. Not just because I want you to, because I I, I know God wants us all to leave changed more full of His love. Listen, I believe you get all of God when you come to Him, but I'm going to tell you something. There's a forest and a seed. Yes, you get all of God, but it's in seed. You have to allow it to grow. You have to allow it to grow. And if you're hard and if you're not allowing that seed to grow in your life, you've got to get broken. You've got to get like that alabaster box that that woman poured out that spaghetti on and anointed Jesus. You've got to get broken allow him to break you so that his love can be that sweet smell anointment that, that, that anoints his, this world with his smell.
0: Hey, thanks once again for listening to our podcast today. We hope that this episode, being consumed with the love of God, has blessed you. Please tell your friends, tell your coworkers, tell your relatives to listen to our podcast and uh, check out our website EmergeNashville.org or you can also go to EmergingDaily.com either one and if you want to contact us our email is EmergeNashville at gmail.com that's EmergeNashville at gmail.com and don't forget beginning Monday we'll have a new round of episodes that are very current that will be dealing with things that are going on in in and around Nashville, in our nation and in the world and how those things relate to love and to God and to us spiritually and how that we can begin walking in love, emerging in a love walk that impacts the world. Do you like to shop online for either yourself or for gifts for others? Do you like the convenience of shopping online, but also like to help support local shops and retailers? What if you could do both? Check out BellsGiftsAndMore.com. Bells Gifts and More is locally owned and operated, based just outside of Nashville in Lebanon, Tennessee. They have men's and women's clothing fashions and accessories, wallets, handbags, watches, jewelry, books, media, home and office items, electronics, and more, all at great prices. And they add new items to their inventory almost every day. So go to BalesGiftsAndMore.com, use promo code EMERGE when you check out and get an additional 10% off your purchase, excluding sale items. That's BalesGiftsAndMore.com.
2: Thanks for listening today and we hope you were stirred to put love into action. Feel free to send your questions or comments to EmergeNashville at gmail.com and please consider donating on our website EmergeNashville.org or write to Emerge P.O. Box 3242 Lebanon, Tennessee 37088.